0: One two three yes wrestling. Uh-huh. Welcome, all you yesenites, to one two three yes wrestling. It's Chris. How we doing out there in podcast? world for everybody hope everyone is doing good and ready to hear some love that i'm gonna bring here for wrestling today we got all kinds of crazy news and stuff we're gonna follow up with 30 years of the undertaker survivor series recap monday night raw from last night it is tuesday we got lots to talk about so let's just jump into it but first so I guess let's not just jump into it, but before, make sure you like, subscribe, and follow the podcast and all podcasts and social media services. Make sure you hit us up a like, a follow, all of those things, and make sure you stop by, by those things and review us. We're always looking for five stars three times, five stars, five stars, five stars, as Corey would normally do it. Five stars, three times. Hit us up. Take care of it. It really helps out the show. And we appreciate all that you guys do. This week, it's Thanksgiving week, so everybody's got crazy schedules. Corey looks like he's getting ready for Thanksgiving. And uh, Ed is working, which at Amazon for the holidays means he's working. So uh, I figured I'm here, sitting around just got done watching Raw and thought, you know what, there is plenty to talk about. Because, as I said in the beginning, we had Survivor Series this weekend, we had uh, Raw, we had title changes, we had 30 years of The Undertaker. The WWE Network put on their 30 years, so plenty to talk about. Uh, first thing I'm going to jump into here, though, is that the Thunderdome, WWE has been evicted from the Amway Center, where they were, they are moving the Thunderdome here starting December 11th. So we do have, um, they're going to move to Tropicana Field, which is where the Tampa Bay Rays, who were just in the World Series, are uh, were playing. So now they're going to be in a baseball field. So I'm assuming that this is going to allow them to bring in some fans, hopefully for at least by the Royal Rumble, be able to have a thousand, two thousand people in there. It is a closed arena, so... Who knows? I know we've been seeing a lot of 10, 15, even 20,000 fans at football games. I might be wrong on that. Maybe five, ten thousand, twelve thousand. 10,000, 12,000. Maybe we haven't hit 20. But I know NFL has been doing that. So it could be interesting to see how many WWE can shove in there. I know AEW, they have the open, the Daily Center's open um, air pavilion. So they can pull off a little bit more. But they've been bringing in a couple thousand. So think we might be seeing some fans coming back. And def- definitely – about time to a point. I'm not the biggest, sometimes fans are annoying, but a lot of segments that they've done this year would be so much better, including the farewell to The Undertaker, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. I'm uh, really curious to see how the Thunderdome if they're going to keep up this uh, version of it are we going to keep the screens What's is it going to look the same it's just going to be at a baseball field or is it going to look different um, so it'd be very interesting to see but that's going to kick off on Friday night Smackdown December 11th so then that will be um, with the NBA coming back the Orlando Magic needed their stadium back so they are getting it back the Thunderdome has been evicted and it will move on and that's for the foreseeable future so as of right now the WWE we definitely does not seem on planning on doing anything about um, touring yet, which they have been actually letting go and terminating or at least furloughing a lot of their uh, live event staff. A lot of people who did you know uh, merchandise, um, you know stuff that you would you know sell at the the live events, on top of just live event gates and WWE seems to be making plenty of money on WWE shop and doing a bunch of stuff. So they've been kind of letting people go and doing some stuff about that. So who knows, they may not even get back to live event touring. Um, you know, attendance has been dropping for that for years anyway. So it will be definitely interested to see what WWE looks like going into what their business model is going into 2021 and hopefully post pandemic once we can get that all under control. Uh, so that was one of the big news things that came out since the last time we got with you. The other one which we did touch when I was talking with Corey and Ed last time was Selena Vega being, uh, wished her future endeavored. Um, the other week, couple weeks ago, cause she was unable to, uh, process her, she didn't want to let go of her third party. She has been talking with, uh, like, the Screen Actors Guild and all kinds of stuff really, you know, hyping up talk for unionization between wrestlers chances are i know ed mentioned it last time the odds of us seeing anything like that are slim to none but you never know what uh, may come down the pipeline especially as more and more people have um spoken up and made a you know bigger things like i said what's the contract violation for a third party for twitch you know and we had undertaker show up on cameo without a problem so did wwe obviously must have a a say in that. Um, which talk about I, I like I said, I'm gonna get into the Undertaker here in a little bit, but talk about jarring when those cameo videos started dropping uh yesterday, I think. And he, he sold thirty cameos, the Undertaker, thirty cameos, and I'm off sidebar because I know I was talking about Selena Vega. But Undertaker sold 30 cameos for a $1,000 a piece and they're popping up these 45 second to a minute videos and they're it's different man just to see the Undertaker who really hasn't said anything and even in his farewell didn't really say anything and all of a sudden he's wishing people Merry Christmases and happy weddings it's it's a weird world we live in but back to Selena Vega um so there's there's a lot of a lot of animosity that's coming out from that scenario so we're kind of waiting to see where wwe and their third party and their twitches and their cameos and their tiktoks and all those uh, only fans and all that good stuff is going to shake out But outside of that, it's been pretty quiet around, but I think we are going to jump into because there's been so much wrestling. Last week, we didn't even get to talk about Drew McIntyre beat Randy Orton and became a two-time WWE champ on Raw. And Last week, if you guys didn't watch wrestling, WWE just killed it with their main events because the main event of Raw was a great match between Orton and McIntyre, which ultimately had the WWE Championship changing hands on Raw for the first time in five years. Can't really say that for SmackDown because the WWE Championship changed hands every year before. I mean, realistically, every year, uh, three out of the last four years, it's changed hands a week before Survivor Series and changed the main event. Uh, Two, three, or I guess four years ago, we had AJ Styles beat Jinder Mahal. So he could face Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. And that happened the Friday before Survivor Series. So they once again gave no time to really promote that. Uh, the year after that, Daniel Bryan beat AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. And it went on to Survivor Series to face Brock Lesnar. Last year, there was no title change. And we ended up Brock Lesnar fought uh, Rey Mysterio. And that was the one I was at. And then they had their other, their other matches. I don't even remember who the champs were at that time. Uh, well, no. Brock Lesnar was the champ. So he just fought... Rey Mysterio, they didn't actually do a champion versus champion. And then this year, once again, a week before Survivor Series, Drew McIntyre defeated Randy Orton to take on Roman Reigns at Survivor Series, which was the main event. And once again, get into that here in a minute. But then the main event of NXT, Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai was Hell of a match. That was probably my favorite match all week that I saw. Io Shirai, they're just cementing both her and Rhea Ripley as to why they are main event. Why are there future superstars? And But Io Shirai, just the championship run she's getting this year since she beat Charlotte and Rhea in uh, May or June. I don't remember when they did that after WrestleMania. But it, that was just an awesome it's awesome match. So if you missed either one of those main events, they're definitely worth checking out if you can, whether it's clips or whatnot. I know NXT, it's all up on Hulu at this point in time on top of wherever you might watch Raw or wrestling. But a lot of good stuff that came out of uh last week. And then when that led us into Survivor Series, where they had a lot of crazy stuff that happened at Survivor Series. Um, overall, as a show to me, Survivor Series was kind of... Meh. I had a hard time getting into the matches. I really have a hard time getting into the matches when it's this, like, brand challenge, you know? So you just have champions. Sometimes they're both good guys. Sometimes they're both bad guys. There's no story. There's no build. You try. I mean, they did, they did a decent build between Roman and, uh, Drew to get them to at least get you to care about that match. But once again, you had a good guy and you had a bad guy. When you're getting into, like, Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn, it's like, really? But there was some good action on the card. I think, um, I can't wait to hear from Corey to hear about his because I'm pretty sure he's, he was really digging the show. So overall it was, it's going to be not one of the most memorable survivor series, but it did have its moments and we're going to talk about them. Um, they did have the kickoff show where the Miz won a dual brand battle royal. So they had like 20 guys, 10 from each brand and they threw each other over the ring. I think the end, the end four ended up being Chad Gable. Dominic Mysterio, The Miz, and oh, now not Otis. I can't remember even who the fourth one was. Shows how exciting that was. But this was even on the kickoff show. So, I mean, who was really paying attention? The Miz ended up uh, winning by uh, deleting, not deleting eliminating dominic mysterio so that he got out miz won they ended they they faded off to black with the kickoff show with the miz holding up his money in the bank briefcase screaming at the camera it was 10 years ago to this day that i cashed in my money in the bank in this building and he was just foreshadowing what was to come for the night so it definitely had you go huh what was the miz yelling about there i mean he's got to come back out right right Then the show proper kicked off with Team Raw going against Team SmackDown. Now, just even looking at this on paper, you had Team Raw, which was AJ Styles, Matt Riddle, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Keith Lee. Now, just on paper, you're looking at that team and you go, man, that's a team. You know, I mean, they're all either heavyweight champs, future heavyweight champs. There's even a potential couple Hall of Famers in there when you're looking at Sheamus is a surefire Hall of Famer. AJ Styles is heading that way. Braun Strowman, you know, chances are you could see him heading that way when they really need to put someone in. You know, Keith Lee and Matt Riddle are being pushed and they're being protected. So, I mean, you have a team there. And then you go over to Team SmackDown and you have Kevin Owens, Otis, Jay Uso, Seth Rollins, and King Corbin. And just on paper, this match looks kind of, it's hard to even care about this match because realistically going in, you're just like, nope, there's no way that Team SmackDown is going to beat Team Raw in this match. There's just no way. Yeah. Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins. Okay. They're, they're your big names on that team. Like I said, Jay Uso, I'm aware that they're pushing it. Nothing against Jay Uso's talent. Nothing against anything that Jay Uso is doing. Uh, I enjoyed the last two pay per views where he had the matches with Roman, but those were all story based and still the, you went in just going, He's not gonna win these matches. He's there to tell a story and it's a bigger story. So him in this match, I'm just like, he's not a threat to me. He's I just I mean, yeah, they're giving him wins over AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan on TV and stuff, but eh. Otis, come on. King Corbin, come on. So you just look at this team and you're just like, there's no way in hell. Team SmackDown is beating Team Raw. And ultimately, that's exactly what it came down to because Team Raw swept five to nothing. They swept and eliminated the entirety of Team SmackDown in kind of uneventful fashion. Like you had Seth Rollins. He entered the match early on and basically just told Sheamus, hey, sacrifice me, kick me in the face. He bro kicked him and pinned him and Seth Rollins was gone. So it was immediately four to five. Then it was just they had some moments, some fun spots and stuff, but it led down to Jay Uso being the last one and he ended up getting eliminated last to help further that story with Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns was upset that, you know, Jay wasn't able to get the job done and his team didn't listen to him. And if your team doesn't respect you, then they don't respect me, and they don't respect our family, and they don't respect what we stand for. So he had kind of a lot of stuff going on there um so it was a lot of still storyline based that they decided to do that but ultimately it was the right decision because like i said on paper you can't you can't expect team smackdown to even touch or put a dent in team raw unless who are you gonna bury you know it's not like last year where they buried walter within 10 seconds by eliminating him but they had nxt people and last year was a whole different breed which kind of made you care And then this was when you realized really quick they weren't even keeping track. The WWE did not count the winners. They did not say which team won, which show won. Usually every year it's, you know, Raw. Last year, you know, two years ago, Raw swept and won every match against SmackDown. Last year, NXT, they kept count and NXT ended up winning the night. So you kind of figure out which brand dominated. This year they kept no count. So... It was weird, but it was it was a fine opener. There was a lot of good stuff that happened. But outside of that, it just kind of was what it was. Um, then we followed it up with the Street Profits versus the New Day. So the SmackDown champs, Street Profits versus the New Day, the Raw tag team champs. I mean, as expected, this match was fun. It was high energy. They kind of did their whole thing. Big E came out. The New Day had their uh, Gears of War armor because they became downloadable players for Gears of War 5. They did lots of fun shenanigans. Uh, the Street Profits ended up picking up the win with a crazy uh, frog splash, I believe. And, uh, I mean, they deserved the win. The Street Profits definitely deserved the win. The New Day, you can beat them all day, and they, they're still going to be a staple for tag team. Giving the Street Profits the win is definitely going to be bigger for them to really help push them up. So it was was a fine match. No real problems, really. Uh, then we had Lashley defeated Sami Zayn via submission. So you had it. That match was so boring. It was two bad guys. Why are they fighting? The hurt business came out with Bobby Lashley, and Sami Zayn was obsessed with trying to get them to interfere so he could, so Lashley would be disqualified and Sami Zayn would win. So the whole match, it was him just like, whoa, whoa. And even at one point, he walked past MVP and just fell down like MVP tri- tripped him. It was uneventful. I mean, those two could have went in there and just really had a barn burner of a match and really tore it down, but they didn't do that. They went for, like, the comedy, weird. It it was fine, but it was right in the middle of the card. It was after the hot New Day Street Profits match. This, it was what it was. Uh, then we had Sasha Banks taking on Asuka. So Sasha Banks is the SmackDown women's champ, and she took on Asuka, the Raw women's champ. This one, for me, was hard to get into just because we've seen this match five times over the course of the summer. They just, throughout the feuds, we've just seen this so many times. It was like, all right, I'm sure it'll be fine, but what are you going to do that's new? And realistically, the only thing they did new in this is that Sasha Banks defeated Asuka. And she beat her with a pretty much roll-up. So trying to protect Asuka and do that, but it's still just, what was the point of this? I mean, it was a, it was a fine match. But it was nothing, to me, it was nothing that we've seen before. I would have liked to see, I mean, even if they would have done the NXT thing and threw Io Shirai in that match, would have just been really, you know, a third heat there to really be able to, uh, make me care a little bit more. But that was the overall feel of this whole card was, okay, yeah, the matches on paper, it's fine. Some of the matches could be entertaining, but none of it matters in the long run. Uh, then, <laughs> then we had the women's, Survivor Series matchups of Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Let me see if I can pull up the... I was not even prepared for that one. I need to see the picture of everybody who was in that one because I don't even know where to begin with this one. So we had Team Raw, which was Peyton Royce, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, and Lana versus Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Natalia, and Bailey. And this, I don't know, to me this was just a mess of a match. The whole story really going into this match was that Lana wasn't allowed to be tagged in. It was just all the Nia Jax and Lana storyline. Lana was not allowed, no one was going to tag in Lana. No one was going to be, Lana was not going to touch this match. So, they had a match, they went through, there were a couple decent spots. I really felt like they should have highlighted Bianca Belair a little bit more. She ended up, the Raw, well... Bianca Belair ended up being the last one. Everyone got eliminated. Bianca Belair was there. Uh, Shayna Baszler put her in the, the clutch. Bianca Belair passed out in the ropes, but Shayna Baszler wouldn't let go of the hold. So then the referee disqualified Shayna, which meant that Shayna was gone. Then it was down to Naya. And Lana, who was still standing on the ring steps the whole time, just looking sad because she wasn't allowed to be in this match due to Nia Jax. So then Nia and Bianca start fighting outside the ring. They're fighting, the referees counting and counting and counting. And at one point, uh, Bianca Belair does a back body drop to N- Nia Jax over into the, the the Thunderdome crowd, over the the wall. And then Bianca Belair goes to get back into the ring. Before she gets counted out, Nia Jax resurrected herself and caught her, and she didn't get in, so it was a double countout, which means Lana was the sole survivor, so she became Survivor Series. She won for the Raw women's team. So in crazy fashion, the, both men's and women's Raw Survivor Series teams won, which normally doesn't happen, but once again, we weren't even keeping track this year, so who cares? But Lana was celebrating and Nia Jax just looked angry. Uh, How dare you win this match for us when I told you not to do anything, which she did do nothing. You saw it coming a mile away. They've put Lana through nine tables, nine weeks in a row. It just, you saw that this was building towards this, but I don't understand what the point is with Lana. Like, even if there were crowds there, I can't imagine anybody really caring or cheering for Lana. It's so, it's a really weird scenario. It was a forgetful match. It just was what it was. Then we moved into the main event, which was Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, which was deservingly the main event. This match was as expected. I mean, these two met at Survivor or WrestleMania 35 right after Roman came back from his leukemia, got the win from Drew McIntyre. It was kind of a forgetful match at that point, but the potential was always there. They built this one up as who was going to be the top dog, who was going to be able to to do this, and then you know also where are they going to go with it, and then where does The Miz factor in? Because is The Miz going to come out, interject himself in this match? Is he going to come out, cash in on McIntyre? Is he going to fail? Is he going to work? What's going on? We had that cryptic foreshadowing in the beginning, so what was going to happen? Uh, this match was awesome. They they took it to the next level. They proved why they both deserve to be champs. This was definitely worth, it was a main event that was worth being the main event, which doesn't always happen. And it's been a while since we really had that. So it was, it was nice to see. Um, at one point, the referee ended up getting knocked out. Uh, Drew McIntyre went to go pick up Roman. Roman hit Drew with the low blow. Uh while Drew was kinda crippled over, Jay Uso ran out he, after Roman earlier in the night told him to go home. Jey Uso came out, super kicked Drew, distracted him, Roman hit him with the spear and locked him in the the Dragon Sleeper. And Drew McIntyre ended up passing out, so he won v er he lost, and Roman Reigns won via shenanigans. It was it was <sighs> The ending, to me, it took a little bit of my excitement out. I, You know, you get those screwy endings, but they're supposed to give you rage and you know protect Drew, and I think ultimately they did that. The weird thing is you had this built-in way to really do something with it, and they didn't with The Miz. The Miz was a no-show. So he did all that talk, and I guess by the end, he was just like, well, I won the kickoff show, so it's cool. So I don't really know what they're doing with The Miz and the money in the bank. I just think they should have just let him cash in and lose. It was the same building, the same thing. I mean, it would have been, it was 10 years. The history was there. I don't know why they didn't just get that briefcase. That briefcase needs to go away. Um, but that main event was awesome. But it ultimately wasn't the main event because they saved something for last. I'm not going to say it was the best. But they saved the farewell to The Undertaker all month long. This was the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker's debut at Survivor Series 1990. To the exact day, to the exact event. So we had lots of uh, Undertaker... Shows on the network, different kinds of documentaries, different kinds of specials, interviews, just all kinds of stuff. They were replaying the Last Ride documentary, doing all kinds of stuff, which I watched a bunch of it, and a lot of it was good. Undertaker stuff, he was doing lots of promotion. He was on Hot Ones on YouTube, eating hot wings and talking. It's been weird listening to him, like I said, with the cameos coming out and everything. Just Undertaker really just hitting the ground on all cylinders, doing all the PR for all of these things. But we had the uh, last ride or the curtain call, the farewell to The Undertaker that main evented this show ultimately. So then we had someone in the ring and they announced, hey, this is you know the farewell to The Undertaker and these are all the people who want to pay their respects to The Undertaker's career. And we had, it, and this, this was my pet peeve of Survivor Series in general, Was it was the night of entrances So that's one of my biggest things that bothers me with the Survivor Series matches because you have 10 people in those matches. And instead of, and I know they've done it before, instead of just having Team Raw come out to the Raw theme song and Team SmackDown come out to the SmackDown theme song, they do one entrance after another. So you sit there through 10 entrances. You have at least 10 minutes, ten, I mean 10 to 15 minutes of just entrances. And you're just like, oh my God, this is so boring. I don't watch entrances. I fast forward through them. That's why I couldn't tell when Keith Lee had his music changed. Then we had... We hit this Farewell to the Undertaker thing. And all of a sudden, they're just entrance, entrance, entrance. And it was like Shane McMahon came out. Let me see if I have a a list here. Shane McMahon came out. um, Yeah, here's the list. Shane McMahon, Big Show, JBL, Jeff Hardy, Mick Foley, The Godfather, The Godwins, Savio Vega, Rikishi, Kevin Nash, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Triple H, and Kane. And Kane was all dressed up in full gear, came to the ring to say goodbye to the Undertaker and celebrate his, uh, career, 30 year in ring career. So that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 entrances that we sat through of them coming out to the ring and they were like applauding and yeah, the Undertaker. So then they cut to a video package and you watch this nice video package. They have Metallica playing. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or Twitter or wherever. And watch this video package of The Undertaker showed his debut in 1990, then they showed all the stuff with Paul Bear. they showed a lot of the stuff with, you know, just just his over his career, you know, all the different things. And then we came back to the ring, and Vince McMahon was alone in the ring, so all those 15 people that came out were gone already. And now Vince McMahon came out and he basically said the Undertaker's endured over three decades, entertain a global audience. And they say nothing lasts forever, but they're wrong because the legacy of the Undertaker will live on for eternity. And then Vince introduced the Undertaker. So the Undertaker came out. (sighs) He came out to the ring. And they did their big, you know, entrance, you know, and they did. Undertaker has been known for his big elaborate entrances. And even people have said he's. Even the last few years, he's just pretty much an entrance now. Entrance choke slam and call it a day. And Undertaker gets to the ring, and of course, this is once again just another long entrance. His entrance is probably easily ten minutes by itself. Then you have now we're in the Thunderdome, so there's no crowd. There's no people there. They didn't even turn on the screens for this this segment or this moment. So they had, they kept the ambiance, the lights were down, they had clouds and thunder in the background on the screens, the Undertaker standing in the ring, and they're just like, chanting. You know, so they're still Undertaker. And thank you, Taker. And they were doing all their little chants, but there's nobody there. So we sat there for this prolonged period with The Undertaker standing there like you would, you know, when those legends come out or they retire or they leave and the crowd won't let them talk. And the crowd keeps cheering and it's like 8, 10 minutes and The Rock is still trying to talk and they won't let him. And those moments you feel the energy and you feel that excitement. Well, this was just canned audio. There was nobody there, so Undertaker's just standing there. I don't even know if he could hear it because... I don't know what they play inside the Thunderdome. I don't know what's just for TV, what's for not. You know, it's all production. So The Undertaker's just standing there and standing there. And I'm just like, well, I don't... As a viewer, I'm just... Regardless of my feelings for The Undertaker, as a viewer, you're still just sitting there going, Okay, why is he just standing there? You know, I mean, you could have really tightened this up, but they wanted to make it as real as possible. So then The Undertaker just basically says his... his his little thing. I've laid a lot of people to rest over the years. Now it's time for us to let the undertaker rest. So, you know, the time has come and, uh, he's going to, we're going to rest in peace. And he posed in the ring. Now the coolest part of this whole thing, which I think has been universally praised as being cool. is undertaker went down on his one knee to do his, his pose. He picked up the urn cause he had the urn there and he's posed. And then all of a sudden you heard, Oh yes. And they put up a hologram of Paul Bearer in the ring, standing there with him and that was really cool image they did that really well they had the fog it just looked super cool and it was a great way to see the undertaker for like one of the final times with paul bear um which is what he didn't come in with paul bear but he, you know everybody knows that's that's a combo that no matter how long it's been since they've really been together they just i mean it's peanut butter and jelly so you can't really go wrong with that pairing and that was awesome i'm not going to say that that wasn't and then Undertaker left, and that was the end of the show. So there was no shenanigans. There's no tease of another match. It really was a farewell to the Undertaker, which which is fine, and which was you know expected by some, and other people were expecting shenanigans. Now my problem, you know, and like I said, it's just a shame that of course pandemic, no crowds, that Undertaker's last match ended up being the Boneyard match at at WrestleMania. That ended up being super cool, way better than it should have been because of the cinematic nature. But he didn't get that match in front of the crowd, and now he's getting his farewell. His retirement came in a documentary. He's, he did the, uh, what's it called? He did the, uh, like I said, now we've got the farewell, his last, t- technically last time we're ever going to see him. And it was in front of nobody. But at the same time, it seems fitting because... How long have we been waiting for The Undertaker to kind of call it quits? I mean, you can love The Undertaker. He could be your favorite. But, I mean, has has these shows, these crown jewel shows, has any of these really matches done it for you? Has it been exciting? I mean, well, yeah, when you're there live and you're seeing it, of course it's cool. But, I mean, as a viewer, so it kind of seems fitting that we waited and waited and waited for him to finally retire. I mean, he did the whole retirement angle when he lost to Roman at Mania at 33, which was already three years ago, almost four years ago, when he should have disappeared and he came back for another four years, so it's hard to it's hard to care um, at that ultimately. But like I said, it was awesome. It's just it's just weird that it ends up coming in an empty arena with canned crowd noise. But you know what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Chances are, once we get some people, we get people in the crowd for WrestleMania. I have no doubt that Undertaker is going to show up. We're going to get a Hall of Fame intro- in- introduction. Uh, induction for him in the next year or two i wouldn't be surprised if he's next year and i wouldn't be surprised if he gets the full especially if we're able to put people in raymond jane stadium um, where i believe they were moving wrestlemania to is an outdoor stadium if they're putting 15 20 000 people in for football games they're going to get 15 20 thousand for WrestleMania next year, and I would not be surprised if uh, Undertaker does a show up there to really redo this moment a little bit, which I think would be uh, definitely worthy of his Hall of Fame career. Now, speaking of 30 years of The Undertaker, just kind of have some some moments um, that are kind of stand out to me based on The Undertaker, because like I said, you can't, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you're still The Undertaker, you know, and you still, you know, you still know who that is. I mean, he breached pop culture. Um he did debut at the Survivor Series in 1990 um with Brother Love as his uh manager and he you know was just something you never saw before his just was a character his size his you know what he what he did and he went on and did a lot of stuff during that era that no one ever did including beat Hulk Hogan you know even though he only beat Hulk Hogan for one week, I believe he wanted to pay per view on a Tuesday and lost it on Sunday at the next week, but he still beat Hulk Hogan. Um, there's one funny story that you could look up about how Hulk Hogan was, you know, nervous about taking the tombstone pile driver and he's telling Undertaker, don't hurt me, brother. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't do this. And Undertaker's like, no, I'm going to protect you. I understand. And you know, Undertaker's new in the business and he was very, you know, hesitant with that and every time i see this match i can't stop thinking this but undertaker finally sets up to do the uh tombstone on and he's holding hogan as tight as he can to make sure he protects him and he drops down to his knees and drops hogan on his head and as soon as he said he hit that hogan just goes oh you got me brother you got me and he pins him and undertaker's freaking out like what's going on and then Hogan was pretending like he's saying he couldn't move his legs and he was all injured. His neck was all jacked up because of this tombstone and did all of this crazy stuff. And they go backstage and Undertaker's freaking out because he's like, oh, my God, did I just hurt Hulk Hogan? My career is over. This is going on. This is going on. And, uh... Hogan can be heard talking to the doctors, and he's like, get my wife and kids in here, get them on the phone, and I gotta talk to them one last time, and Hogan is selling this tombstone like he is dying, and going on and on, and uh, ultimately, you know, nothing came from it, but in less than six days, less than a week, Undertaker had dropped the belt back to Hogan, because then he was all of a sudden recovered enough to take, it, uh, take him at the next pay-per-view on Sunday, so... It was what it was, just Hogan wrestling back then was all this crazy stuff. But every time I see that tombstone now, and when they show it in a video package or anything of Undertaker tombstoning, hulk hogan i always just hear you got me brother and that always just makes me laugh so there's there's more undertaker talks in detail in some interviews i think he did with joe rogan and some other ones he's been talking about that a little bit more um but it was definitely entertaining to uh think about i know and Corey could talk way more about this but i know one of the first things that i remember with the undertaker was undertaker versus undertaker at 94 SummerSlam. they found a guy who looked and I, i think there were all kinds of rumors as to who they were uh It was Crush or somebody, but they looked damn similar. And they had Undertaker versus Undertaker at SummerSlam. And that's just a spectacle there. You just only would work with the Undertaker. You know, you couldn't do Stone Cold versus Stone Cold or, you know, Goldberg versus Goldberg, but you could do Undertaker versus Undertaker and everybody would buy it. So that's just a crazy thing that that character was able to go through. Uh, And then you had the crazy Attitude Arrow run, and I still remember, and it was right when I was getting into watching wrestling, kind of 96, 97, and you had, I just remember that ground zero pay-per-view where him and Shawn Michaels fought and ended up having a no decision because they just erupted into chaos. But I still remember that shot and how crazy it was because it was the first time you ever saw it, which, like I said, now we see this stuff every day. But I still remember all the guys outside the ring trying to hold Undertaker and Shawn, keep them from each other because they were just tearing the place down. And Undertaker's in the ring, the next thing you know, he just jumps and he just soars over that top rope and crushes into everybody. And you just, you didn't see dives, like, you, like now they're every match, and it's just the worst. But before, you never saw that type of thing, and especially from someone the size of The Undertaker, you know, and... It was still something he only brought out at WrestleMania once a year after that moment. But he still, even after that, didn't really do it that often. But it was just that moment was just... That image is seared in my head of him soaring over the top rope into the pile of the the locker room. And it was just so cool. And then that led right into the Hell in a Cell. Uh, first ever with Shawn Michaels, which still is the greatest Hell in a Cell. I mean, yeah, Mick Foley and Undertaker have their... The history from the brutality of that match with Mankind getting thrown off the cell. But that's the story was Shawn michaels and undertaker in the hell in a cell and that led into the kane storyline that's just phenomenal and then you know when you had the kane storyline come up with the undertaker's little brother who was bigger than him and just that storyline that went on for so long leading into wrestlemania 14 was just the best you cared i remember sitting there caring each week oh kane's gonna show up what's he gonna What's going to happen? What's going to? And it was just such a cool, it was one of the best storylines and most memorable storylines that they told that ultimately just kept going. And it was so cool to be able to see, just watch that go. And then to see where they ended up going with that between the brothers of destruction and everything else. Um, You know, in 2000 we had undertaker come back as American Badass undertaker and you got to see a whole other side of him riding the motorcycles and doing all that stuff, uh, making people famous and doing all that, which was so great, um, which then led into you know with them not even knowing they had a streak going on. I mean, Undertaker just did so much. He just became so much with this business. When you really like sit down and look at the, all the firsts and all the things that he created and all the things that he was a part of, it's just insane to really look at. You know, he had this crazy, you know, twenty twenty one year WrestleMania streak of he won every year until Brock Lesnar beat him in thirty. And, you know, I mean, I think he's 25-2 and or something all time at WrestleMania. That's just insane. And it's just something that you'll just never see, regardless of how you feel, if he should have lost or shouldn't. I mean, that's obviously a moot point at this point. Um, But then even then to see him come out with this documentary earlier this year, The Last Ride, and you had no idea what that was going to be. But you're all of a sudden watching The Undertaker. I even had my sister who was watch wrestling with me in like 96, 97. And she was all excited. She was like, I want to watch that documentary just because she remembers The Undertaker and to see him talking in that way and really seeing behind the scenes and him going through those last couple of years of his career was just so cool. And, and you know, really curious to see and just good for Undertaker to be able to look back at 30 years, see the amazingness of his career. And now he gets to, you know, live off of that. And, you know, now he gets to do is interviews and his talks and his cameos and his twitches and his whatever else he wants to go out and do autograph signings and meet the fans and talk to people and just really break into other things that interest him and it's just an awesome awesome idea that he gets to do which is which is just really good grid for him so congratulations to the undertaker in 30 years hopefully you know this really is it i you know i i'd be cool with seeing him come on out one more time you know do the entrance at mania with some fans and really get that recognition that he deserves um i don't think he deserves whether or not you thought that his farewell or his retirement should have happened years ago or you still want him to go for another five years or whatever, just coming out doing an entrance and chokeslamming people, it's it's hard to see some a legend like that have their moment being an empty building, and it just really kind of made it lackluster, I think. But ultimately, it you know you can't take away from the Undertaker's career. All right. So now we had Monday Night Raw. I swear I'm almost done. See, so much wrestling that I was sitting here just going, all right, I got to record something because it's been a couple of weeks. Got to give the Yes Night something to talk about, something to hear. And you know what? I got nothing but time. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I, You know, nobody's hiring. I got time to record for you guys. So let's do this, right? Right? Right. All right. If you guys are even still here, I don't know. There's probably like only two people that stuck around this long. And it's probably Corey and Ed. And I can't even guarantee that. I'll find out after they, they hear me talking trash about them. Monday Night Raw. I enjoyed Monday Night Raw. Uh, last couple weeks, Monday Night Raw, I think, has been a lot more of an entertaining show. What's crazy, and a, I'm still very interesting to see, and this week was kind of crazy. I, I lost TV again because Hulu live to raise their prices another like 10 bucks and i'm like i'm not paying it was like almost to get the to get the advanced dvr and stuff to actually be able to fast forward through commercials because i mean if you can't fast forward through commercials and what's the point of having a dvr or even really having live tv i don't i don't like watching commercials it was like a push in 90 bucks i'm like i'm not paying 90 bucks for tv i watch very little it was like a house hunters recorder and uh, 90 bucks for house hunters now so I'm back to the Raw Hulu cut, which means it's only 90 minutes, which is awesome because mostly they cut out the fat. But then sometimes, you know, when when matches go to commercial breaks, usually you miss the middle. That does suck. But I didn't notice anything. And they cut out. They kept almost everything in Raw. I really don't know what they cut out of Raw for this 90 minute cut outside of one match that did get cut. Um, but we opened with uh Adam Pierce, who was in the ring, who's basically the general manager now, and he's basically talking to Team Raw and congratulating them on their clean sweep victory against Team SmackDown. Adam Pierce was like, you guys all deserve, you know, congratulations to Drew McIntyre that he is the number one, he's the champ, and he won it last week from Orton. Never really mentioning, I don't even think Drew McIntyre was on the show now that I'm thinking about it. And uh, so they didn't even talk about They're just doing this week like, okay, Roman's gonna beat Drew. Drew won't be on TV for a week. Everyone will forget about it. Then Drew will come back. And I'm trying to think of TV. I'm trying to think of wrestling that way. Just like, don't think too far back. And, Cause now I'm even thinking retribution wasn't even on this show. So crazy. They just, uh, it, it is what it is. And you know what? Maybe that's why I like Raw. No retribution. You know, no, no, no foul there. Um, but, so anyway. Adam Pierce comes out, says, you guys deserve, you know, a ch- the next championship match, someone on here, so I want all of you guys to, you know, step forward and give your reasons as to why. And then they went back and forth with their jokes, Matt Riddle's calling everyone, you know, Fireface and the Skipper, and he's got all of his, uh, names, which I'm enjoying. Riddle's this weird mix because they got him playing the Stoner Bro, which is fine, and I'm pro- sure that's probably pretty accurate. And he does it well, but then at the same time, you're just like, God, it seems so cheesy. But then he says something or does something that makes you laugh, and you're just like, all right, I like that guy. So he has that weird stoner charisma and... It does seem like one of those guys where you're just like, all right, I'm down. So, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy, I'm enjoying his stick and he was making me laugh. And they were going back and forth and everybody stepped forward and said why they th- think they deserved a thing. And like I said, Matt Riddle made me laugh because he's like, I defeated King Corbin last night, so I get the crown. And when I defeat Drew McIntyre, I'm going to get that sick sword and I'll let you touch it, Seamus and stuff. And it was, it was goofy, but it was funny. And uh, then, you know, Adam Pierce goes Braun Strowman, last but not least. And Braun Strowman took that as an insult. Apparently he never heard that saying before. And he goes, least, last. And he grabbed Adam Pearce and said, give me a championship match. Give me a championship match. Give me a championship match. And then he headbutted Adam Pearce and got escorted out of the building. So it just was stupid. Like that was excessive for Braun Strowman to do. So I thought that was kind of weird. Uh So he was escorted out of the building. Adam Pearce then, you know, came out of the doctor's office and, uh, Charlie kept asking him, what, "What, what, what's gonna, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" And then he got interrupted a couple times. They kept going back and forth, and like watching the Hulu cut, it's just it would they would be like, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" Bobby Lashley comes up and goes, "I think we need to talk." And Adam Pearce goes, "Okay." They go to commercial, and then they come back, and Adam Pearce is back, and she's like, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" And then Randy Orton walks up and goes, "I think we need to talk." And then Adam Pearce disappears, and they go to commercial. When they come back, Adam Pearce is standing in front of that door again because they cut out everything that happened in between those segments. Which was funny. And uh, then Adam Pearce basically said, we're going to have three triple threat matches, or three matches tonight, and the winner of each one of those matches is going to have a number one contendership triple threat next week. And the first match up is going to be Sheamus versus Riddle. And that'll be next. Now, in there, we did miss out. I missed out on a New Day defeated the Hurt Business again. So I don't really know what the point of that was, and obviously WWE doesn't either because they cut it from the Hulu cut. So I didn't see that. Apparently, was shenanigans, but New Day ended up getting a roll up victory, beat the Hurt Business for the second week in a row. I guess the Hurt Business said something along the lines of, "Hey, the Street Profits beat you last night, so we deserve a championship match tonight." And I didn't. That logic doesn't make sense to me, but you know, here we are. So then we had Matt Riddle def- uh, defeated Sheamus to advance to the number one contender triple threat match last week, which I could not believe because for the past month, every week, we've had these segments with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. And, you know, Sheamus is a bad guy, and McIntyre is a good guy. And then you had them talking like old friends. Hey, remember when we used to do this on the road? You remember when we were coming up and we did this? You remember that? I mean, Sheamus is the one who gave him the... Uh, kilt and sword that McIntyre's been wearing out to the ring the last couple weeks. So you kind of just thought, I was like, well, this is where Sheamus is going to come in and he's going to end up being McIntyre's opponent for uh, TLC in December or his next challenger. So that's what I thought. So when Riddle beat Sheamus, it was with a roll-up, but he still beat him. And I was like, whoa, but the two of them had a hard-hitting match, which I enjoyed. So I couldn't really take anything away from that it's definitely worth checking out. So I was like, Hey, this Raw's off to a good start. I like this. Uh, then we had Lana who was, you know, Oh, this has been the greatest day of my life. This is the greatest night. It's so amazing. I'm trying to ride this high. And the interviewer who I don't know asked her, do you think this, you can, you know, challenge Asuka now? Do you, I mean, the guys are getting their championship match. Do you think you deserve one? I don't want to think about that now. I just, am so happy. I just want to love this moment. And you're just like, all right, Lana. And then, uh, Asuka later in the night comes up and sees Lana and goes, oh, yeah, you championship match, championship match. You got it. Come on, tonight. So all of a sudden, Lana was getting a championship match tonight against Asuka. So you're like, all right, whatever. And they're just forgetting that Lana already fought Asuka like two weeks ago and got destroyed in like 60 seconds. So then once again, 60 seconds, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler were out. They came out to do commentary during this match. And Asuka, they fought, her and Lana fought for about a minute, and then Asuka got out of the ring, said, What's up? threw water at Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler. They attacked Asuka. Referee disqualified, uh, uh, Lana, so Asuka won the match. Um, nothing was gonna matter anyway, and it ended up turning into a tag match. Asuka and Lana versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. This was just nonsense of a match as well. They didn't, uh, do anything. It was, Uh, Nia Jax was getting ready to put Asuka through a table and then Lana through a table and then she was going to put Lana through the table for the 10th time and Lana fought back. And then Shayna was in the ring and saw Lana fighting back. So then she grabbed her and started choking her through the ropes. And then Asuka snuck up behind Shayna Baszler, rolled her up and pinned her. So you're just like, all right, uh, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, then we had Bobby Lashley versus Keith Lee to advance to the number one contendership triple threat match. Another just big power match. I really I I really enjoy Keith Lee. I think that they're doing good. I, I'm i enjoying him. I'm getting used to his shtick his on the main roster. And yeah, there's things that he could do. There's things that are awkward, but they're protecting him and they're doing stuff, and it's fine. It was just weird because Bobby Lashley kind of started getting beat up, so MVP jumped in the ring and attacked Keith Lee and got Bobby Lashley disqualified. So that's kind of weird. You would almost think... You know, MVP should have just attacked Bobby Lashley. I, You know, I never understand the whole, just go in there and punch your guy and get the other guy disqualified, and then Bobby Lashley would have been moved to the <laughs> number one contendership match. I think Bobby Lashley would have been okay with taking a punch if it would have got him to advance to the match, but MVP beat Keith Lee, and I'm sure we won't talk about it again. Now, there was a segment that came after this where Matt Riddles found MVP in the back, and he starts talking to him about, hey, you guys like business opportunities. I have a bunch of... Opportunities And he was like, oh, God. And he's like, oh, you got to make – everyone loves pizza and everyone loves yogurt. So let's make pizza-flavored yogurt and do this, that, and the other. And he was just being – MVP was just looking at him like he's crazy. The only thing that saved this segment was MVP – called or Matt Riddle said, you know, hey, bro. And MVP said, hey, man, I'm not your bro. And Matt Riddle went, aww. And he got real sad and MVP, he cracked. You saw him smile, like he was about to start laughing and then he got brought it back. And they said in two weeks, we're, you know, bring us your best ideas, you know, and Riddle's like, like Shark Tank and, you know, he's like, yeah, I like Shark Tank, but if we don't like your ideas, we're going to beat you up. So I don't know where that's going or what the point of that is, but I, the fact that Matt Riddle didn't like MVP not being his bro made me laugh. So that was, that was funny. Uh, we had a new Firefly Funhouse with the, uh, Friendship Frog. Who came out and uh, it was talk all setting up the Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Cross match that was coming up later in the night. Uh, Nikki Cross has been fighting for weeks to bring Alexa Bliss back from uh, bring her back from the dark side, from the fiend's clutches, and she hasn't been able to. So after two weeks of trying, she said, "Screw this, we're just gonna fight." So that was what they were getting ready for and then Firefly Funhouse was all about friendship and the friendship frog shows up and says nothing's more important than friendship and then Alexa Bliss got, you know, possessed and she killed the friendship frog. Which was then hilarious because then they did a, like a eulogy video for the friendship frog who we just met and found out that he's 40 and he, uh, lived a, lived a good life. And that was comical. So I enjoyed that. But we had the Alexa Bliss Nikki cross match which was, which was interesting and entertaining because you had Alexa Bliss. And, you know, Nikki Cross is beating the hell out of Alexa Bliss, and Alexa Bliss is then, like, looking sad and looking, you know, like, or she's just laughing. She was laughing the whole time while Nikki Cross is beating her. And then all of a sudden, she stops in the ring, and she just starts crying. And she starts looking at her clothes, like, what am I wearing? What are these gloves? Nikki, what's wrong? Nikki, what, what's happening? What's going on? She's crying in the ring, and the referee's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then Nikki's sitting there like, oh, my God, Alexa. Lexi, you're back. Lexi, you're back. And she picks her up, and then Alexa Bliss hugs her and then pops her in a sister, Abigail, and then starts laughing and then pins her and it was uh super entertaining i enjoyed that as well and then the main event was aj styles defeating randy orton to advance to the number one contender triple threat match next week so next week we have a triple threat main event for the number one contendership which is matt riddle versus keith lee versus aj styles like come on that's a ridiculous match i'm sure it's going to end in shenanigans but who knows where this is going to go. But AJ Styles, Randy Orton, they had a great main event match. You can't really say anything. Of course, it ended with shenanigans because Randy Orton was outside the ring, and all of a sudden the music started, and The Fiend popped up in the crowd. And then he showed up a couple times, which distracted Orton, but not Styles. So Styles hit him with a, a you know, fantastic elbow. Phenomenal. El- is it the phenomenal elbow? Phenomen- yeah, the phenomenal forearm. That's what he calls it. And he hits him and pins Randy Orton, so Randy Orton is looks like he's setting up for you know a feud with the Fiend here in the next little bit. So that's all, that's all cool. So it was it was a solid show. I enjoyed Raw. Um, now there's talk coming out. I think Meltzer was coming out saying that the planned opponent for Drew McIntyre at TLC is. Um, and I guess spoilers, spoilers, you can start yelling real loud before I say it out loud if you don't want to know. But chances are I don't have no idea if it's spoilers or not because I don't really know. But for those who do want to know, I've given you enough time to, to skip 30 seconds, um, was talking about, no, well, now you're skipping 30 seconds and it's popping into me saying, look at how this works out, um, was Braun Strowman is supposed to be the next contender. So who knows what's going to happen next week, but I'm curious to still see what's going to happen regardless. So we'll see how that all I guess shakes out. I'm, I'm taking that all for, as a grain of salt because they changed these scripts and ripped everything up. It's just like, I don't even think it's going to be a spoiler because Braun Strowman, he might mess up the triple threat. He might get added to it. I mean, if he gets added to it, then you might think, Oh, he's going to win. Okay. That sucks. Thanks, Chris, but, and they also could do, be saving this for, you know, just putting AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre on Raw just to pop a number. So who knows what they're going to do. All in all, Raw was, an entertaining show. I, I thought it was better. It might have helped that I was on the Hulu cut, so I got all the the, the fat trimmed for me, but it was a good time. Uh, but all in all, it was a good week of wrestling. I mean, I'm pumped for tomorrow, so I can see NXT and see where they fall off of from that um, awesome main event last week. They're getting ready for war games, um, which they're doing on pay-per-view. I really thought they were going to do war games on that December 2nd, when Kenny Omega and Moxley are fighting on Dynamite. So I'm like, well, what is... What is it going to be? But that's apparently that Wednesday is going to be the go-home show. So as of right now, WWE, they might, I don't know what they're going to do, but they might give AEW that December 4th or December 2nd, you know, unchallenged. You know, no Halloween Havoc, no, you know... I thought when they first announced War Games, I was like, "There it is! War Games is happening uh, at the same time," and but it's going to be that Sunday, so or it's the Sunday before, I think, so because I think it's the second and the fourth or something. I don't have my dates, but you know what I mean. So it's got a lot of great wrestling coming up as always. So heading towards Wrestle Kingdom and all that good stuff. So lots to talk about. I'm gonna hope hopefully be able to get Corey or Ed here later in this week, but with Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day to everybody who's listening to this before or after. Hope you guys had a great one, safe with your families, able to still see and do what you need to do while still being able to be safe and uh, keep everybody healthy. Um, but I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving or will coming up, which is what I was going to do there. But maybe wrestling's still going to be on, so if I'm bored and if I can get Corey or Ed to be bored with me, might get them back here later this week so we can get some 30 years of the undertaker ideas from them till then make sure you like subscribe follow us on all podcasts and social media services once again five stars reviews is what we're looking for three times five stars three times hit us up it helps out the show a lot and i appreciate all that you guys do definitely if you want to have any questions comments concerns shoot us an email at one two three yes wrestling at gmail.com make sure to let us know where you're writing in from so we can uh, give you a proper shout out on the show always looking for that but i think that's going to wrap it up so until next time it's always a pleasure you guys take it easy happy thanksgiving